everybody, welcome back to another edition of Rapid Recap here inside Nebraska. He's Greg Smith and I'm Zach Carpenter. And uh, today, Greg, a little different setup, which I think is the locked-in setup now for the rest of the way, the rest of the season, with Marcus Satterfield and Tony White speaking on Tuesday here in the new Nebraska media room, and then uh, several players after. I think it was five or six players, some out in the hall, some in the, uh, the actual podium area. But we had Ty Robinson, Jamari Butler, MJ Sherman, John Bullock, four defensive guys, and Billy Kemp. Uh, and there might have been one or two stragglers that we uh, who were walking around for like a two, three-minute interview. But those were the five main players. But Satterfield went uh, second today. I think he went after White. But um, he went second, but still the number one talking point as it we expected it to be yesterday and today, the rest of the week. Um, would have been the number one talking point if not for Gabe Irvin, Ramir Johnson, right. White Boodle going out for the season. Uh, number one talking points, quarterbacks between Jeff Sims and Heinrich Harburg. Yeah, and I think it was, it was interesting to hear, you know, Satterfield talked about today, you know, Marcus, or Marcus Sims. I, I knew I was going to mess it up. <laughs> unique Sims. New York, unique New York, yeah, red unique leather, York. yellow Jeff leather. Jeff Sims was back at practice again for the second day in a row. Uh, Matt Rule said that he was out there on Sunday. He was back out there again today. Uh, for the second practice in a row, and he took 50 to 55% of the snaps, um, is what Marcus Satterfield, the offensive coordinator, noted. The immediate reaction to that, though, on social media and on our insiders board was a little mixed bag, though, because I think that people are, I think, like, weirdly hoping that they just name Harburg the starter. That's not going to happen. Even if he's going to start this game, I think that they're going to share time this week and then they're going to at least say that they're evaluating it yeah. just for competitive um, reasons, um, if nothing else. So we'll see on that. Uh, he did say that he moved around a lot and he moved around well. He said uh, Satterfield called direct runs basically for Sims to, that he would have to keep the ball on those runs um, and see how he moved and he responded well. So we'll see uh, kind of where it goes from here. Yeah, I mean, it's that classic case of the Nebraska fan base, or any fan base for that matter, oh, yeah. it's not it's, it's not exclusive good. to just Nebraska where the starting quarterback performs poorly. Well, the back, get the backup guy in there, see if he does well. Backup quarterback's always the most popular guy in town, as the saying goes. But yep. in this case, the backup quarterback did come in and played um, to an entirely different tune, different mm-hmm. uh, um, just overall performance. But I think mindset, he played differently than, uh, than the starter did. But uh always have to keep in mind niu had one of the worst defenses in the country statistically um so that's where it's not as if just because harburg had this great performance or outstanding maybe not great but outstanding performance um at car from carney catholic i want to make sure i get that in there because i mispronounced it on our rapid recap yeah and i kept refreshing the youtube comments because i knew it in the moment i'm like i definitely mispronounced carney catholic i did so Harbor from Kearney Catholic, I'm going to keep saying that over and over. Um, it's not as if just because of that he was going to be locked into the starting quarterback yeah. spot. And uh, we're seeing that play out this week with them uh, sort of splitting, splitting reps, splitting snaps. Uh, but the, the targets, whoever the quarterback is going to be throwing to on, on Saturday against Louisiana Tech, uh, the targets there, the receivers um, in, in this offense, haven't seen many get too much separation, or at least not for those explosive plays, which uh, explosive plays, working on creating more of those and getting younger 
receivers in the mix was another topic of discussion. Yeah, we, I feel like we've been talking about this for like three weeks at least now, and it was definitely a topic back in fall ball as well. When are those freshman receivers going to get out there? Uh, namely, it started with Malachi Coleman, uh, who was mentioned by Marcus Satterfield today, uh, who said he showed great toughness out there to the point to where, uh-oh, puke gate is back because Malachi <laughs> threw up out there. Um, but then he came right back in and said, I want to keep going. Um, and Coach Satterfield did say that he thinks that he was trying to show his toughness um, by wanting to stay out there, which I think is a great sign. A lot of times it's hard to make that transition from being like the man in high school who no one can really cover mm -hmm. um, and no one's just going to match you athletically to actually coming out here and being with guys on par with you. Um, and so sometimes that can be difficult and the, the toughness becomes a thing too. To see him do that or hear about that actually is kind of a positive. Now you just want to see if he can learn the plays and be out there because it does sound like um, it, you're asked a, a lot of you to be a receiver in this offense to get on the field early. Yeah, and I think the the young receiver, the freshman receiver talk when uh, when fall camp opened the first couple weeks, I think I I think a lot of people, including myself, got ahead of ourselves um, as far as when the receivers were, were going to be getting in there because. It, you hear from Jeff Sims, you hear from Rule, how we're going to need those guys yeah. to play early. But how many snaps they're going to get early, I think, is something that Rule kind of backtracked like the next week after he right. said that around the second, third He's week of fall camp. Forth, uh, yeah, that quite a bit. I, I think it was probably more of a thing of they're going to play early so that they can get that first taste and then we can use them hopefully later in the season. Yeah. I don't know, that's sort of the but, but vibe the I've gotten. Is, you know, the, the, and I, I agree with you on that, but we've seen that though, right? Like it, it's been in a different acceleration pace um, on defense, right? So yeah. they have been, and we even heard several players today talk about on defense in particular, about how they knew that they'd get some of those young guys rotating in on defense because Coach Rule believes in that. So it's not as if they don't, they're, they actually are practicing that. It's just whether or not the, the receivers are the ones that it might be a little bit harder situation for them to kind of pick it up, even though it feels like you look around college football and you're seeing younger and younger receivers around the country, but it's not an apples to apples for every system and every player. Right? Do you think that's a product of this, the Tony White system is like, is looser and like, it doesn't have as many restrictions. It's just asking you to use your athletic traits, your speed and be physical, fly around as they say. And then the SAT system is much more complex with timing and the different calls they have. Yes, I could definitely see that. And I thought my antennas went up, but I, I can't remember if it was Rule or Satterfield that said that it's tough to be those backup wide receivers because you technically have to learn all three of the other positions. Like when you hear that, like it just sounds like a lot for a freshman that did not. And by the way, none of those guys arrived early. Yeah, right? all six they were. They all came in the summer. And so they're, by, they're behind as far as getting ahead to be able to then get on the field early. And I think that's why you've seen a difference. Those guys that enrolled early, you saw, you've seen a lot of them. We'd have to go back and mm -hmm. chart it. But I feel like almost all of the early enrollees, except for maybe the offensive linemen, have played already. Yeah, and even then, Gunnar Kotula uh, got in there. The, mm -hmm. He's now the number three left tackle. Now Teddy Prohaska back and uh, uh, potentially more snaps. But, um, yeah, you're right, Cam Lenhart, Prince Will. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I believe uh, – I, I remember those two. I don't want Dwight Boodle played before the unfortunate injury. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, so – Maverick Noonan was on track to play before yep. his injury. So I want to I point my own mistake out with my own uh, with Maverick Noonan. This randomly popped in my head the other day was it, after the spring game. During the spring game, I thought there's no way like he's he showed some good things, but I was still thinking there's going to be a learning curve. It's probably still going to take him another year um, to uh, to see significant snaps in this defense. And um, I thought I had said that multiple times. And then throughout fall camp and then throughout this early part of the season, 
it's like look retroactively looking back it's like no i would have absolutely been wrong because maverick noonan would have absolutely had a place on this defense just like a lot of the younger guys you're seeing but uh speaking of that defense um, a couple of guys to to point out today was nash Hutmacher uh and jamari butler because nash there are a couple different quotes on him uh from tony white saying it's the best he's seen him play and uh, uh ty robinson saying or ty robinson saying this is the best I've seen Nash play and Tony White saying, I think he's one of the best defensive linemen in the country. Yeah, which I thought was a, a huge deal. And that's feel, first of all, it feels great for Nash to be able to get out there and do what he's doing. But to hear your coaches and your teammates um, kind of backing you up is great as well. Ty Robinson talked about it was a proud big brother moment. Yeah. He's seen Ty work um, and it's, it feels weird. But yes, Ty is one of the older like veterans on the defense. Um, but he doesn't seem like he's that old, uh, so it's just kind of a weird deal. Um, but then also, I think we're starting to see, kind of remember back to when Nash Hummacher was being recruited. He was a major deal. Um, and so it, even as a, as a three-star guy, like everybody could see the potential there. Kind of came down between Nebraska and Wisconsin. People wanted to desperately keep him away from Wisconsin because they thought he'd be a beast in that system. You're now seeing why that is, and he's playing up to that potential, and it's really good to see for him. Yeah, it's interesting because I think we all said this is last year was the first year Nash really started make uh, making a uh, making some waves, and then this year was is like not the make or break it year, but this was going to be the year like that we had thought we might see from Ty Robinson going into last year. This is a I think a make it or break it year for Ty Robinson the rest of the way these last nine games, but Nash was that it's that third year that um, that pivotal year in a player's development to see what he's going to be and he's he's shining through so far yeah but here's the thing with you it's funny i'm laughing because when you said it's a pivotal time now for ty robinson you know what actually helps ty robinson a lot nash up <laughs> right. the way that he is right. so now when they play games teams are he's going to be a guy that offensive coordinators say okay we've got to dedicate attention towards him and now everybody else gets to eat right you can only put so many blockers on everyone else so now ty robinson gets to be one-on-one -on -one. and when cam winhart is fully healthy he gets to be one-on-one -on -one. and here come the other guys i think the trickle down effect there will be really nice especially because he's playing from that interior and getting pushed from there yeah and I mean there were a, there are a billion defensive performances from that NIU game to to sift through Nash Hutmacher was probably the one that took the cake he was my defensive player of the game I think he was most people's after career high six tackles two and a half tackles for loss um, both career highs and the the sack he forced on Rocky Lombardi um, but between him yeah like you said him taking up that space in the middle, taking on double team. Steve Marek actually heard him uh, during the middle of the game. He just like says it kind of under his breath. He's just like, Nash Hutmacher is doing the Lord's work down there in the <laughs> trenches. I just started laughing. I'm like, yeah, sort of that unsung, he had been that unsung hero almost, uh, taking attention away from the other guys. Mm -hmm. uh, but Saturday night against NIU, he got that recognition. He's getting it this week. Um, but he was one of several defensive performances to, to highlight. Jamari Butler as well got his, I believe, his first career sack um, Saturday night. And I wanted to highlight those two guys because if Cam Lenhart, who we did not have a, uh, an official update on his sprained ankle injury and whether or not he'll be good to go against Louisiana Tech, it could mean a bigger, uh, bigger emphasis, more snaps for Jamari Butler, who is now locked into that defensive end. He's no longer listed as a jack on the depth chart. Um, he did say that DN's kind of like Jack, just not dropping back in coverage as much, but uh, I think we're officially locked into Jamari as a defensive end going forward. He could have a big role 
coming up as soon as this coming Saturday. And even if and even if Camlin Hart's back, you probably don't want him going full bore like with as many snaps as they had. Though they've done a great job of rotating those guys. Um, so I think the biggest compliment you can have for everyone else, Jabari included, is once Cam went out, you didn't notice a drop off, right? Mm-hmm. Like we didn't notice right away that he was out. Um, and so that's a really good sign moving forward for this defense as well. Yeah, and you're going up against an air raid in Louisiana Tech, yeah. so the it could be a big night for the pass rushers if. Mm-hmm. They're getting to tee off, especially if that Nebraska offense can can hit on a couple more explosive plays or just uh, you don't necessarily have to hit on explosive plays, just avoid the turnovers and be more efficient yep. on offense. And uh, if you have a two-touchdown uh, two lead, 17-point lead, something like that, you're going to see those pass rushers potentially start to tee off a little bit. But uh, I think that's all I had um, on from today's press conference, offense, defense, uh, again, quarterbacks for a big um, – point of emphasis but did you have anything any last yeah, more sad? one one thing is, is we've just been a lot of defense talking rightfully so and we'll continue to have defense talk because they've been playing it's so exciting well. yeah it's an exciting time for them it really truly is and um, tony white mentioned something defense coordinator at the podium today about how a couple days ago he got to have some time with a bunch of the players and kind of they brought their girlfriends over he said nash um luke reimer was there and you know a bunch of other guys and he had his big like kind of panoramic photo with all of them and he said would go into his office because he said that those are kind of those special moments in coaching that allow you to get to know guys kind of off the field and it makes it that much more fun and enjoyable to coach them on the field. So I think it's just another data point to show like just that family atmosphere mm-hmm. that they are creating um, and that Matt Rule, it definitely comes from the top down. It comes from Matt Rule first um, and everyone's kind of embracing that. And I think that makes them closer as an entire team. Yeah, we're seeing those cultural foundations being laid from all the way back in spring during those recruiting mm-hmm. weekends. It's really when we started hearing about it the most and all the way up to now um, with, uh, with that story that Tony White shared. So, um, and like Rule said, uh, he's sort of hoping that that first win is sort of um, allowing allowing people to buy into belief and like building confidence as they build up a cultural foundation for this program moving forward. But uh, that's it for us uh, from today. I think the next media availability, no more Wednesday availabilities anymore. Thursday is going to be the next one with Matt Rule, um, <laughs> lightning round. Lightning around where he'll. It's not he'll, even lightning anymore. Yeah, like, I, I know, know. I know. Well, that rule does not do any. When he talks, it is not lightning. He, he <laughs> talks at a lightning quick pace. Yeah, he said it's hard, a lot of words. It's harder to transcribe <laughs> Matt Rule. If you see this. It's, it but, takes yeah. a lot longer to transcribe Matt Rule than yeah. it does a lot of other coaches because of how fast he talks and he does say a lot. Um, and a lot of times, yeah. we've said a million times, it seems like it's coach speak when you're hearing it live and then you listen back. It's like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. that wasn't coach speak. He just like gave us all like everything we needed to know. You just got to uh, go through the details and read between the lines. So we'll be reading between the lines at InsideNebraska.com. <laughs> um, and you can check out our coverage, written coverage from, uh, from today's pressers. We'll have that uh, tonight, tomorrow. Tonight, Matt Rule is speaking on the radio, Huskers Radio Network around 6 o'clock. So we'll have that um, and we'll have more coverage as they gear up for Louisiana Tech this Saturday. So for Greg Smith, I'm Zach Carpenter, and we'll catch you guys again next time.